Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, throwback edition. We're going to be talking about some old technologies. We're going to be talking about some new technologies, and we're going to be getting ready for the holidays. I am joined, well, I am Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow, and I'm joined, as I often am, by our illustrious editor, the uh, maven of the newsletter, Ryan Donovan. Oh, thank you, Ben. I'm a, a maven full of luster. Maven glad full of to be luster here. for the season. So, Ryan, my wife and I wanted to get my kids some very simple mm. MP3 players so that they oh. could listen to a little music on the bus. Right. And as it turns out, this category is no longer really thriving. It's kind of a throwback yeah. category. When I was in high school, the mini disc came out, which was like a mm. CD the size of a half dollar, like a, sure. you know, and my sister got really into that, invested quite heavily. I bought an MP3 player and I remember feeling very victorious when the mini disc <laughs> faded away and it all went MP3. But now I want to do MP3s and it's difficult. A lot of yeah. times now when you're buying an MP3, it comes with DRM restrictions, mm -hmm. which means you can listen to it across a certain set of devices, but not on just any generic device you buy. Mm -hmm. And that's frustrating because like, yeah. if you pay for the music, you'd hope, you know, it would be free. They're trying to prevent privacy. I understand there's a balance there or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I'm on a quest now mm -hmm. to find the best site for mp3s i went to mp3.com where i used to go right it's now just a junk content mill for kids from the 90s because mm -hmm. we all go there and check and then there's nothing there so i'm trying out the different services i'm going to buy from apple and amazon and google and one or two indie type places and see how it goes yeah i think there are still some indie ones that are around but you know i was uh, a big mp3 consumer for the long longest time on uh, emusic.com and they you know were a big indie indie site and they made a yeah. play for the majors and then sort of alienated everybody mm. yeah and then there was talk of them doing blockchain and you know <laughs> <laughs> it's never good when there's talk of doing blockchain yeah but I, you know i think this this thing you're running into is is sort of a larger issue with media these days where it's hard to actually buy digital copies, right? Right. You're sort of just renting or streaming. Right. You know, I've heard horror stories of people buying stuff places and then having their account canceled and losing everything. Right. Yeah. I've heard similar horror stories and it's true. If I lost access to the internet, 90% of the content that I've paid for through my streaming device is, you know, on my TV would not be accessible to me. And if I, for some reason, lost my subscription or lost my login, it's all through the cloud. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, this is sort of like, you know, since 70s, 80s, there's been kind of a new format every 10 or so years, right? Like, mm -hmm. I was on tapes, and then CDs came around when I was in high school. Uh, and you had to rebuy everything to get the new format. And then it comes out in MP3s, and you get to rebuy those. So I think, you know, now that it's the the final format, so to speak, <laughs> there has to be a, you know, a renewable business model around it. Right. We recently <laughs> brought the record player out of retirement and uh, the kids were very 
kind of freaked out that you can't just skip around tracks. That was like <laughs> disturbing to them. Yeah, you got to listen to the whole album. You got to listen to the whole yeah. album. I, explain. I, I mean, you can pick it up and drop it, but that's not what we're getting into right. here. Oh, the, the secret songs back in the day? Yeah. <laughs> the secret songs were great. And also, you know, I was there for the heyday of, you know, digital piracy. And mm-hmm. I... <laughs> Not, I didn't say I participated. I was I was alive. I witnessed. Sure. Hey, sure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I had a computer that had a CD read-write drive, and that I remember was a really big deal. Oh yeah. Because I could get a bunch of MP3s and then burn it onto a mixtape, or if somebody else had a CD that I really loved, I could make a copy, and that was pretty incredible. Bad for the music labels, and that's what yeah. sort of drove us to where we are today. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of uh, home copying formats, right? With with tapes, you'd have the, the double cassette tape. And right. You'd tape them off the radio. Now yeah. it's just their software protecting that. Right. Yeah, exactly. And like, there's an argument to be made that if you go to and try and sell bootleg copies of copyrighted music, mm-hmm. that's illegal. But if you're just giving a friend a copy, it's a finer line, Right. Like you're not trying to make any money off of it yourself, but how you know whether or not it should be shared is kind of a question. All right, moving on. A funny story that reflects how human biases and tendencies get embedded into AI. This is not confirmed, mm-hmm. but is a top hacker news as we speak. ChatGPT, just like the rest of us, experiences a bit of seasonal depression. Its responses are significantly shorter if you make it think it's December and longer, if you make it think it's May or June or July. So that makes sense. If it, you know, learn to read by reading the internet and people, you know, in aggregate a little bit less, well, maybe, I mean, people are inside more in the winter, maybe they're writing more, but I guess as a whole, you know, we tend to take it easy on the holidays. Some of us are feeling down. Some of us are just focused offline. And so it's shorter. I don't know. You buy this? (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I think, you know, it reminds me of something. I think it was in uh, Isaac Lyman's article we published today that AI is just teaching computers to make the same mistakes that humans do. Right. <laughs> so we're, <laughs> we're just trying to get it to, to, you know, to be a little more human, to be sad when it's dark out. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. It's learning things at a subliminal level. It doesn't even know yeah. it's learning, right? Yeah. I mean, I wonder how much of this is just projection, right? With like until somebody does a uh, a sort of study of it, you know, how much of it is just like, oh, that feels shorter. Right. This one was like, a, yeah, like, you know, they ran a couple hundred prompts, you know, telling it it was these various months. And then there's a spread across them to show, you know, how many words it returns or something like that. Ryan, you are mm-hmm. an Android man. I'm an Android man. You're an Android man. Yeah. I'm an Apple guy, and there's quite a bit of hubbub these days about the green and blue bubbles. Sure. And there was a very popular app that came out, Beeper Mini, Mm -hmm. which was trying to, well, their claim was that it was trying to make it easier to talk in between iPhone and Android in a fully encrypted way. Mm -hmm. Did you see this? I didn't. I, I missed all the hubbub. Yeah. But I, I think I've always been pro Android because it's it's a more open system, right? Like, you know, I I build my own desktops. 
I've always been a bit uh, half a hacker. I won't say mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a hacker at all. Right, right. You know, but uh, I don't really like the the walled garden that yeah. Apple puts up. Yeah. And, you know, I get the reasoning. It's more secure. It's right. definitely consumer friendly. But a question for you then on the hacker front. Right. One of the things that is very useful to me is being able to have a fleet of devices that I manage all mm. in my sort of iCloud. So I've got my kids' devices. I see how long they're online. I can find them. I can lock them. I can you know do parental controls. Now you know I've given some to older relatives who are not very tech savvy. You know I can mm. set it up and sort of run it for them in the back end. If something goes wrong, I can you know reset it. You could obviously do that on a Windows or a Linux machine, but I wonder if it would be as easy. Like, I think the iOS ecosystem kind of makes that family set up mm-hmm. a little bit easier. But I, I'm open to hearing if you've if you've tried this. Your children are not as old, so you may not have run no, this no. gauntlet yet. Yeah. No, I think having the ability to, you know, be a baby sysadmin there for your family. <laughs> that's, that's that's great. Me. Baby sysadmin, I'm getting that tattoo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm I'm sure there's something on on Android. Like a while back I, I found out there's all these other sort of other app stores mm-hmm. for Android. Right. Where you can download whatever stuff you want. Or you can just install APKs. And you know, I've always been a PC user. Oh, you're right. It definitely yeah. exists for Android, I guess. The the challenge there is you you don't want to restrict yourself to like a Chromebook. You you want to live yeah. in a world of Android and Windows. And the question is how well do those things talk to each other? Yeah. And, you know, without you having to do the work of setting yourself up. Yeah. Now my my kids, they'll be getting pagers and that's it. <laughs> I got my kids a flip phone in an effort to allow them to travel a little farther afield, take a bike ride, come home by themselves mm-hmm. from school, but still be reachable. And they did figure out a way to get to YouTube. It was distressing. I don't know how they did that. But, you know, there's some really janky ability to access the internet through T9 Word and then scroll up and down. So it's not a great YouTube experience, but unfortunately, it's it's not a lockdown one either. So I'm actually on my list of things to do is to see if I can somehow uninstall it because it comes just on the base model phone. I mean, it's it's hard. I don't look forward to having to to manage, you know, internet access for for a child because like you know i had to very intentionally seek out awful stuff when i was a teenager mm-hmm. now it's just like it's all that stuff is on tiktok right we had someone come on the podcast a while back gashbar begush mm-hmm. who is a professor or an assistant professor at uc berkeley and he started out as a linguist it was an interesting episode talking about their attempts to build a, an AI model that learns language the same way humans do. So it's not a LLM. It's a GAN, a generative adversarial network. And basically, mm. it listens to stuff, it tries to copy it, and then there's a judge you know, network that tries to say if what they hear is genuinely created by a human or created by the, you know, the, the generative AI. And if the generative AI eventually mm. gets good enough where it can fool it every time, then you're like, okay, good, you know, you've learned something. So one of the things that Gashbar's lab wanted to do was to unpack the black box of what goes on inside a neural network. Mm. I've been hearing this phrase since I started reporting this stuff in you know, 2013. Mm. What actually happens inside of a neural network, we don't really know. It's kind of a black right. box. The big idea that we took from neuroscience is 
if you connect a huge network of nodes and the connection strength between them is flexible and you can adjust that, then you can get it to encode knowledge within that network mm -hmm. or some, you know, some kind of reasoning or outcome behavior. But there's a whole new field now called AI interpretability, which is trying to unpack mm -hmm. the neural network, figure out right. what's going on in there. So as a funny offshoot, Gashbar and the folks at his lab, I guess somebody saw the kind of tool they built and they worked in a slightly different field and they said, hey, what if we use this interpretability tool that you built for AI, but we just tried it out on whale sounds? So oh. they, uh, <laughs> they ran the whale sounds through this AI interpretability. I'm not exactly sure how it works. We'll have to come up with some more details for future episode. Mm -hmm. And uh, up till now, we believe that it was a series of clicks and it was how many clicks and you know, in what sequence time between them, mm -hmm. number and time. And the AI system, after listening for a while, came back and said, no, I noticed there's these two sets of vowels and sometimes they interchange them. There's this diphthong kind of thing that you're doing. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty fun that what we're building to try to figure out a digital brain is maybe mm -hmm. a fun tool to help us make some breakthroughs in the world of nature, natural brains, natural linguistics. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the machine learning techniques can can be applied to any sort of data set, you know, whether mm -hmm. that's whale sounds or songbirds or, right. you know, birds hitting my window. <laughs> but, it, you know, it, it reminds me of the film Arrival. Great movie. So much easier with machine learning. Yeah. <laughs> so much easier. One last thing to note, you know, we're always talking to software developers on this podcast. I started in 2019. I started being a tech reporter in 2010. It was kind of a long run where the amount of venture capital and the number of startups and the valuations and the money was going up. Mm -hmm. More recently, it has started going down. I read a, a pretty um, tough article in the New York Times over the weekend about the number of startups that had reached multi-billion dollar valuations or raised over a billion dollars that have declared bankruptcy in the last year. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, shout out and trying to send good energy and always, yeah, thinking about everybody who's listening. Hopefully you haven't been caught up in this yet. I do think, you know, it's a pendulum swing, mm -hmm. but it's it certainly it seems like it's going to be tough going for the for some areas of the tech industry for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I mean, I think you'll see a lot more folks leaning on established business models and domains and you know, there there were some super disruptive companies that came out that were able to ride on VC money for years, just burn, burn, burn. Right. And finally, they they caught hold or they were, you know, better than everything or everything else died off in the market. Right. Yeah. I wonder where people will focus. I mean, AI, obviously, you can still get investment if you're in that space. If you can demonstrate, you know, that you've got a cash flow positive business model, you can raise money. You can no longer, unfortunately, sort of bring an idea, a dream, and a little bit of user growth to the table, which is too bad because, you know, Facebook would not have been born and, you know, gone on to do its thing, you know, or Twitter in those conditions, right? Like they couldn't build a business model early. They had to scale, 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 burn, 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 and then they could figure that out. Yeah. Well, sad to see the days of the sweet startup kitchen go by the wayside. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the ping pong tables have gone silent. Uh. <laughs> uh, well, if you're listening and you have some thoughts or you're experiencing it out there in the real world and you want to chat about it, 
we always want to hear. You can hit us up. I'll, I'll do the outro now and give you a chance to connect. All right, everybody. It is that time of the show. We want to shout out a user who came on Stack Overflow, shared a little knowledge, helped to save a question from the dustbin of history. NH Griff awarded December 7th a lifeboat badge for saving a question. Store only date without time in a database. Asked nine years ago, 15,000 people wanted to save only the date in Java and in MySQL, but not the time. And we have got an answer for you. So thanks, NH Griff. As always, I am Ben Popper. I am the director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can find me on X at Ben Popper. As I said, if you have questions or suggestions for the show, or if you want to chat about something that's happening in the world of software that you see, project you're working on, or just connect, email us, podcast at Stack Overflow. And if you liked what you heard today, then leave us a rating and a review, because it really helps. I'm Ron Donovan. I edit the blog here at Stack Overflow. You can find the blog at stackoverflow.blog. And I am still on X at Arthur Donovan, but you want to DM me and tell me where else I should go. I'm open. Nice. And what was the blog post that went up today? Let's shout it out and we'll send people there. That was Isaac Lyman wrote a great post about the three types of AI-assisted developers and how it mm. will actually affect them. Cool. All right. We love Isaac's stuff. So be sure to check it out and we'll throw the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.